0: gonna talk about a man who in his life recorded over 200 albums and received a lifetime achievement award from the Grammys. It's one of the most, if not the most recognizable jazz pianists of all time and perhaps one of the most influential and certainly one of the most respected. Who is this? Well, he was born in 1925 in the little burgundy section of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. His given name was Oscar Emmanuel Peterson. He was born to parents who had immigrated from the West Indies into Montreal. His father worked on the railroad as a pullman, and um, so they had a pretty good life. His father was also a trumpet player and a pianist. And so little Oscar found himself learning to play the trumpet and the piano, but primarily trumpet, that was his goal, to play the trumpet until somewhere around seven, eight years old maybe, he had a bout of tuberculosis. And that kind of ended his trumpet career. And so he turned to the piano And at first, his father helped him with as much as possible with his skills. And then he turned him over to one of his older sisters, Daisy, who only played classical music. And so, young Oscar was well steeped in the classical music tradition at a very, very early age. But you see the little burgundy section of Montreal is kinda like Harlem in New York City. It was where all the people of color lived. And in the 20s and 30s, when he'd growing up, jazz was everywhere. And it wasn't long before little Oscar started picking out some boogie woogie lines and a little ragtime and a little this and that. And he added that. To his repertoire. By this time, he's already out playing his sister, so she can't teach him anymore. So his father makes a big sacrifice. He finds the best piano teacher he can, who is an Hungarian, with a lineage directly to Franz Liszt who would have been the rock star of classical piano performance during his lifetime in Europe. His technique and his clarity and his power is still legendary. Well, Oscar's teacher learned from a teacher who was Franz's least personal student. So you see, Oscar Peterson is in the same lineage and legacy as a great Franz Liszt himself. As a young kid, he practiced four to six hours a day. That's right. I hope you're listening out there, four to six hours a day. And throughout his life as a teenager, as a young adult, as an older adult, he continued to practice four to six hours a day even when he's on the road and it was only in his very 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 late years that he compromised and only practiced one to two hours a day (laughs) that's what it took to create the Oscar Peterson we all know and love took that kind of dedication now Somewhere around the age of 14, he decided to enter uh, a contest, classical music contest. And um, he won. Now, Little Burgundy was not a place where rich people lived. People of color. So you were either poor or really poor. You know, middle class was poor. <laughs> really poor was just poor. So. He decided he would drop out of high school at 14 to pursue work as a professional musician. After all, the local pros have been praising his work since he was nine years old. So he already knew he had it. he had been told he was already playing gigs with pros 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Winning that national contest at 14, that went like, okay, I think you're ready. So he dropped out. And when he dropped out of the high school of Montreal, he left behind his friend and bandmate, Mr. Maynard Ferguson. That's right, they played in the same band together in high school. But Oscar had to get out of there because he needed to get out and make some money. And he did. Radio immediately being broadcast. Way to go, baby. And then some clubs, some concert venues, parties, whatever he could find, he was making a good living in Montreal as a working pianist continuing to practice four to six hours a day, doing all that classical stuff and developing a technique and a clarity and a mastery of the instrument that was absolutely incomparable. Now, there is this producer named Norman Granz, who was on his way to the Montreal airport getting ready to fly back to New York City and as he's riding the taxi the radio is playing and they hear this live jazz broadcast from a club and he hears this piano player and he goes whoa whoa, whoa the cab driver i'm not going to the airport yet do you know where this club is yes sir take me there and so he delayed his flight you could do that in those days <laughs> turned the cab around, went back into Montreal, went into the club sat there and with astonishment looked at and listened to this little chubby black guy playing his piano like he had never heard before and said, oh yeah, I got to get him signed to my record label. Oscar by that time was already recorded with Victor Records, but you know, uh, we're gonna move to New York now, the big time. Lon Grant did the jazz at the uh, Philharmonic, and he had connections at Carnegie Hall and all the big uh, concert venues, nightclubs, and everything. Um, obviously, recording uh, 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 opportunities. The band did make 200 albums, okay? Um, And he went to the club, he listened to him play, he signed him immediately, and brought him to New York City, presented him at one of his jazz at the Philharmonic, and the people went, oh my God. Duke Ellington called him the Maharaja of the piano, (laughs) he's the king, I don't care what anybody says, he is royalty, there's nobody like that, praise Oscar. This is Duke Ellington, when you first heard it. This is the end, and pretty soon, that respectability was just uniform among musicians. And off that career went, in the middle 40s, late 40s, By 1950, he meets a great bass player, who at that time was the husband of Ella Fitzgerald, and they started doing duets. And then he decided to add a guitarist because, you see, his influences included Nat King Cole, who had a similar lineup piano, guitar, bass. Or sometimes piano, guitar, drum. He loved that. He loved James P. Johnson. He loved Art Tatum. And he was just also loving himself because he knew he was bad. My I got to tell him he's bad, he can play. He knows he can play. He put in four, six hours. He can play stuff no one else can play. He's like the Paganini of piano for jazz. He is the man. Until he got a chance to hear Art Tatum play tag a rag. Tag a rag, Art Tatum. And he said in his own words, he said, from that moment on, I was never cocky. And I never had an ego because what Art Tatum could do with tag of rag literally scared me to death. So I knew I had to go practice more. So these are his chief influences as a young man coming from Canada into New York. The piano trio becomes his voice. He's got some interplay, he's got some support but is a thin enough texture that his incredible control and technique and virtuosity is able to cut through throughout every performance. And that was his bread and butter, what he could do that others simply could not do. This continued for years he had a lot of success with Ray Brown and Barney Kessel in his early trio. And then later, 10, 20 years later, he finds other people to play duets with, like the Florida bass player, Sam Jones, who spent some time growing up in Jacksonville, and uh, Neils Herring, Austin Peterson, European bass player, and Joe Pass, and so many other great guitar players, uh, Herb Ellis. Um, so you get duets, you get trios. You get duets, you get trios. He did a few albums with larger instrumentation with orchestrations, with combos. He did solo piano stuff. Because when you have that kind of control of the piano, you could pretty much play a whole concert with your left hand by itself. I most certainly remember my good friend, Kenny Drew Jr. uh, playing entire pieces with just his left hand. Oscar Peterson could certainly do the same thing. And with two hands, uh, you get two jazz performances at the same time. Um, So he would do solo uh, piano things too, but not very often. One of the best love is um, For My Friends, where he is uh, paying tribute uh, to Bill Evans uh, and McCoy Tyner and people like that emulating their styles and just playing some of their music and letting the world know that even though he may have been this guy with all of this finesse and technique and, you know, virtuosity, uh, he had a whole lot of respect for his contemporaries and those who followed him and those who gone on uh, uh, before him. Uh, Wonderful man, uh, always a happy person, Um, I guess he wasn't very tolerant. He had four wives, so. um, But uh, he had habits that uh, would plague him later in life. He loved to cook and he loved to eat. And he smoked cigarettes and pipes. And when he was smoking, his weight would be down around 200, 225. And when he would try to start smoking, which he did, often his weight would approach 300 pounds. And this, over time, wore his body down. He experienced uh, arthritis, um, particularly a... Uh, Words from arthritis in his left hand. So the ambidexterity he had with both hands gave way to a supporting left hand and a right hand that could still fly around. And as many friends said, a one handed Oscar Peterson is better than most jazz piano players with two or three hands. Oscar was just that good at what he did. He continued to tour and do festivals and concerts. He even took time to start a school in Montreal in order to share his vision and to share his talent and his gift and his love of music with others, and he got friends to help him. And they made that work for five or six years, but their touring schedules and recording schedules got in the way, and they were doing this on their own, not with government support. And so after a while, they had to shut that down, but he continued to do clinics and workshops and lessons and all of that. And one of his most outstanding students who still plays, I've heard the guy several times, especially from New York, is uh, Benny Green. Who like uh, Oscar had a very very strong classical background, and although he comes out of Berkeley, California, and played that great Berkeley uh, high school jazz band, uh, a very uh, well steeped in classical, and has finesse and technique uh, reminiscent of uh, Oscar—not the same, but reminiscent—because Benny also has a little bud power in him and some of the bebop stuff as well, but. Uh, Benny Green is one of the people that was inspired uh, directly uh, by Oscar Peterson. Um, he continued to tour the world, but he always made Canada his home. He did move uh, away from the bustle, hustle and bustle of Montreal. Uh, I love it, but he wanted a more peaceful surrounding, so he moved to a place called Micasawa, Uh, which you most certainly can find on the map. It's one of those long words that's difficult to pronounce, Micasagua, and uh, that is where uh, his home uh, was and that's where he would return. In his later years, he would tour for a month and come home and rest. He would tour for two months and come home and rest. No more of the long, long tours, year-round, He realized he was getting fragile, he was wearing down, and he tried to preserve himself and keep himself here as long as he possibly could. Um, But a combination of the arthritis and diabetes and other uh, uh, ailments finally uh, took their toll on him uh, in 2007 and he uh, departed this life at uh, his home in Microsoft. Um All I can tell you is this, uh, go listen to Oscar Peterson. Th- there is no better spokesman for Oscar Peterson than Oscar Peterson's music. You go listen to what he does how fast he can play a flurry of notes and how absolutely perfect and clear that flurry is just impeccable technique and impeccable creative thought a master musician and a man who stayed true to jazz his entire career and who man who made it very clear to everyone that it helps to have control of your instrument. He made it very clear throughout his life that he believed in the study of classical music, especially the keyboard works of Johann Sebastian Bach, particularly the well-tempered clavier. You all need to get that, well-tempered clavier. Get it. Study if you a piano player because Oscar Peterson says the more Bach you do, the more birds you're gonna be able to swing. Oscar Peterson was with us from 1925 until 2007. He left us over two thousand two thousand I'm sorry 200 albums and received hundreds of awards and honors during his lifetime but once again there's nothing more special than just sitting and listening to his recordings no matter who he has chosen as his supporting cast his genius comes through with great clarity. Thank you very much.